Well, I founded my company, All World Management, uh, a bit less than 20 years ago. Um, it's um, we, we manage drivers. We we identify and we and we present uh, racing drivers mm-hmm. um, from karting through until Formula One. Wow. So um, that's what we do for a long time. And today, in our in our list of drivers, we have very young drivers from karting Formula Three up to experienced drivers such as uh, Charles Leclerc in Formula One. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Track Limits Podcast presented by Formula Addict. I'm your host, Swish. I'm joined by my co-host, Henny. Hello. And today, we have a great guest, probably a manager who manages some of the most iconic F1 drivers, racing drivers across all categories, Nicholas Todd. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Thank welcome. You. How are you doing? Thank you. Nice to be here with you. Oh, I appreciate it. Same here. So, Nicholas, as you know, you know, we're going to break up this entire interview over the next 30 minutes into three parts. Q1, where we talk about racing-related questions. Q2, a little bit more diving into you as a professional, how you got started. And finally, the rapid-fire round, where we're going to just throw questions to you, see how <laughs> rapid-fire the answer is going to be. I'm not prepared yeah. that I will try to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Perfect. You ready for Q1? Ready. All, All right. right. First question, pretty straightforward, but tell us a little bit about your career in one minute. I know you've done quite a lot, but just tell us some of the core accomplishments that you're really proud about. Well, I founded my company, All World Management, uh, a bit less than 20 years ago. Wow. Um, it's, um, we, we manage drivers. We, we identify and we, and we present uh, racing drivers mm-hmm. um, from karting through until Formula One. Wow. So... That's what we do for a long time. And today in our, in our list of drivers, we have very young drivers from karting Formula 3 mm. up to experienced drivers such as uh, Charles Leclerc in Formula 1, yeah. James Carrado in Hypercar as well, as long as, as um, and also Jose Maia Lopez. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, around 10 drivers who we manage today. And what does the day-to-day life for Nicholas look like? Is you know the off-season right now a bit of a time where you can take a breather or is it a it's lot a go, of work go, right go. now? I mean, it's very broad. I mean, yeah. every day is different, which is nice in my in my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there is a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. So I attend, I would say, three quarters of the Formula One races. Wow. And I attend some other series such as WEC, a few karting races and, and so on. So I'm quite uh, a lot on the road and um, to, to meet my drivers, to, to see the, the decision makers, some mm-hmm. team owners, some sponsors as well. And of course, uh, a lot of, of my job is about uh, is at the desk yeah. is uh, answering email making phone calls trying to to move forward with uh, the, the, sp- the different tasks that we have with all our drivers yeah. mm. wow and so it's kind of you know there's no routine regular day for you really right like it's yes. kind of like depending on if you're in a grand prix or not i mean there is no routine but in a way i almost know exactly where i will be in six months time because ah, it's all I, scheduled i everything is scheduled uh, yeah. almost uh, 12 months before so yeah. in a way uh I do many different things. I travel a lot, but mm-hmm. I already know. I'm I'm due to know where I will be in a in a in a few months. So it's a it's quite exciting, and in a way there is a bit of routine because uh, I'm going to the Melbourne Grand Prix for the last 20 years yeah. uh, every month of March. So yeah. in a way you you can predict. But every year we have new venues. Uh, like uh, this year we have Las Vegas. Vegas Last yeah. year we have Miami. So there is always something new, yep. which uh, makes it uh, exciting. exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you also co-owned ART. You know, one of the most successful junior programs right now. Tell us a little bit about your experience. I think you started that with the current Ferrari principal, Frederick Vasser. Yeah. What was that experience like so far? Well, I mean, as I said before, I yeah. started managing drivers when I was uh, 26. I, I was lucky to, to start with Felipe Massa, who at that time was not 
so well known. Mm. So it was in 2003. And then a few years later, as you might remember, Formula 3000 mm -hmm. was a, a dying championship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, both uh, Ecclestone and Briatore decided to launch a new series, which was at that time called GP2 series. Yeah. And uh, I, no, it started a bit as a joke and Briatore right. and they both told me, why don't you set up your team? Mm -hmm. And at wow. that time I had no experience at all in the in the team management. Yeah. And I said to myself that it quite, it, I mean, the project looked very exciting. And I thought that there could be good synergies with the drivers I managed at that time, and also to try to to find new new new, new talents. Yeah. Mm. And uh, since I had no experience, and I I knew I would be judged hardly. Yeah. I didn't want to make mistakes. I when I do something, I try to do it well. If not, I prefer no, not to do it at all. And I try to see in the junior series the world yeah. who the best people were, who the, what the best teams were. Mm -hmm. And at that time, one of the best teams in Formula 3 was ASM. Mm -hmm. They were running uh, at that time, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Jamie Green, yeah. uh, and a few other very good very good talents. And I, so I went to meet Fred Vasser among yeah. other other persons, and yeah. we, and he, he wanted to, to, to move to GP2. Yeah. Mm -hmm in addition to Formula 3. Yeah. And that's why that's where we started and we decided to to, to launch ART. Yeah. Uh, well, take us through that transition from, you know, owning the ART to now managing players. How is that different, those two worlds? I mean, it was not a transition. It was something in addition to what I was doing because I started exactly. as a drama manager. Yeah. I became, in addition to that, uh, a team co-owner. Yeah. And then when I decided to, to sell my shares a few years ago, yeah. I have, in during that time, I've always been a driver manager. So my yeah. my my main mission today is to manage drivers. But yeah. for me, it has been a very a very good uh, experience. Yeah. I was not running operational on a day to day basis because mm -hmm. also, of course I had other things to do with my drivers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for me, it has been a very good school to to be able to know what uh, a junior team expects from the young drivers, mm -hmm. how it operates, the difficulty to, to raise money, to find sponsors, because of course today it's easier to find sponsors in Formula One, but in low categories, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. So it gave me a good, um, a good heads up about what junior series uh, is all about. So it mm -hmm. was very helpful for me. That's amazing. And you know, I've always been intrigued when managers say, you know, that person is going to be a star when they grow up. Like, how do you identify a rising star in this world? Well, I mean, it would be a bit pretentious to say that I've been lucky. I don't know if it's luck, but I've been lucky enough to yeah. to find great talents at a very early age. Yes. Um, very quickly when I started, after uh, starting to manage Felipe Massa, who already was in Formula 1. So, I mean, the, the difficult job yeah. right. is... To, to find them when they're young. Yeah. When they're already in F1, it's mm. it's a bit easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because there is a pre-selection that has been done. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was... Uh, I quickly understood that uh, if I want to manage other talents, yeah. they're not going to beg at me when they're already champions. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if I want to have good champions, like I have today with Charles Leclerc, for example, yeah. mm -hmm. you need to help them when they need. Yes. And most of the time, you, those drivers, they need help when they are very young, yeah. when they have no funding, because mm. regardless, irrespective of, of the talent you have, you need uh, to find the funds. Yeah. And uh, I, dis I said to myself, if I want to continue and uh, to stay for a long time in this industry, yeah. I need to have other clients mm. and I need to try to, to, to create a, a strong relationship with them at a very early stage. Yeah. And that's why I started around 2004 
to be involved and to to follow more closely karting mm-hmm. uh, to attend some races to speak with uh, uh, karting uh, bosses mm-hmm. to even some journalists and people from the from the this uh, very specific industry yeah. and i said to myself i need to try to find the identify the, the future talents yeah. Yeah. and uh, the first one who i started to manage was Jules bianchi mm-hmm. unfortunately today He's not with us anymore, yeah. and uh, at that time he was the star in karting. Yeah. So I'm not a, techni- a technician or an engineer who can spot a driver in a corner saying this guy is amazing the yeah. way he breaks, the way he accelerates. Right. I don't have these skills. Mm-hmm. However, I think I have the skill to listen yeah. to the good people. Yes. Right. You know, in yeah. life you cannot be good everywhere, but yeah. uh, when you are not good, you try to listen to the, to, to the identify right the good people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like identifying Fred Vasser as my partner, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, today is a head of Ferrari. So in a way, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's that. So I, to answer your your, your previous question, mm-hmm. how do I identify? I try to listen to people. I try mm-hmm. to go to the to the roots, yep. which is in my opinion karting, where yep. you see a lot of good talents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not only about uh, finding a, a quick driver because. You have a lot of quick drivers, but yeah. in F1 you only have 20 of them, so they are yeah. all quick. Yeah. So quick is the baseline. You need you need to have a raw yeah. talent, mm-hmm. but on top of that, you have to be smart. Mm-hmm. All the Formula One drivers, they are all educated, they are mm-hmm. all smart. Yeah. Uh, the way they speak, the media, the way they address uh, themselves is extremely impressive, much more than in most of the other <laughs> sports in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it doesn't. It's not a uh, luck, right. yeah. because they have been trained. They have, and I think it takes a lot. Of of um, time, effort mm-hmm. uh, to, to make it to Formula One. So yeah. I, we try to find the complete package. We need to try to find someone who, is a, who has a willingness to, to, to learn, to extract the best from himself, who, is nev- who doesn't settle for a second or third place. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the package is difficult to, to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, but even if you think you have all that, uh, you are never sure, sure yeah. until uh, until they get. I mean, the, the next year is always a, a new challenge. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. And on the flip side, what is your dynamic with uh, principals and team bosses in the grid? Does that work differently? How, what What does that communication look like? Well, in a way, I mean, I'm today. I'm uh, 45 years old. Yeah. I've been doing you look that. Great, f- by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a bit of a few white hair, age. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm 45, and uh, I'm I started working in this industry so 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. So in a way. Because of this long, long, long-term, uh, I mean, the, the, this uh, this time, uh, yeah. I I'm I know most of the of the team principal, yeah. mm-hmm. and also having worked in junior series has allowed me also to see the future bosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are talking up. about uh, Fred Vasseur. Fred Vasseur was in Formula uh, yeah. Formula Three. Now he's in Formula One. One. So you have many people, and also the fact of managing a lot of drivers in other series such as WEC, mm-hmm. WEC, such as Formula E mm-hmm. or Formula Two mm-hmm. has allowed me to meet people who, and some of them are in Formula One today. So yeah. um, I have good relationship with uh, all of them, mm-hmm. and I and I try to. To keep, a, I mean, to keep a relationship with them during the whole year, yeah. and the fact of attending most of the races is very helpful because uh, you know I always compare Formula One uh, paddock as a as a fair. Right. You know, we ne- we rarely meet the, the the team bosses at the factory yeah. unless there is very something very specific yeah, to discuss. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you do your. Uh, in brackets, your PR yeah, at, the, the at the races uh, yeah. 23 times a year. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very helpful. And uh, of course, you 
you have team principal with whom you have a great relationship, yep. people you know not as as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what is important, in my opinion, is to understand their needs. Mm-hmm. Because when you are the team principal of Williams or Mercedes, you don't have the same expectation yeah. from a driver. Yeah. Correct. So it's important to to put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. 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 That's great a, answer. Yeah. Um, and then in talks about, you know, with your management and the people that you are signing, how does those contracts work? You know, when you are negotiating them, I think a lot of people want to know what you happens. Mean, with team principal, you mean? Uh, no, just uh, with players and themselves, uh, with contracts. Well, of course, I mean, when you when you sign young young drivers yeah. and you invest uh, a lot of money, uh, the 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 return you might have will maybe happen in 10, 15 eight, years, 10, yeah. 12 years. You don't know. Yeah. So of course, it's a uh, it's a uh, long term contracts because yeah. uh, you take a lot of risk. You know, I mean. In a way, uh, I think I'm the, I'm not Prada, but I think I'm the only private manager who invests his uh, personal money on drivers. So, and I think it's, for me, it's important because I'm a small entrepreneur, but I have a entrepreneur mindset Mm -hmm. and I like to do that because of course it's also more motivating. I don't really like to work for, you know, big corporation. I prefer to work for for myself and have a, a small group of people around me. And uh, I think it's important when you invest your own money because it's the best proof to show someone that you believe in him. Yeah, correct. You know? and, and also, I think that if you work with loyal and uh, honest people, they will always be grateful for what you have been doing for them when there were nobody. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and when it comes to even the connections and that you're setting up for drivers, the capital that you're putting in, I mean, how do you, you have like a roster now of, of many drivers across different categories. How do you allocate your time? Like, how do you spend time providing each driver value? Because like, that can it's be a good a question. Act, right? It's a good question. And, yeah. and I mean, uh, I have to be honest, I, I cannot spend the same amount of time with each of them. Yeah. And for sure today, I spend more time with Charles mm-hmm. because he's, a, he's my priority friend yep. and client at the same time. And uh, I think he, he needs more attention maybe than... Uh, than someone who, I mean, I have, we manage, for instance, uh, Pechito Lopez in a mm-hmm. wake yeah. in hypercar with Toyota, James Cado in hypercar with Ferrari. Of course, they need our attention, right. but maybe they are more independent. They yeah. learned much earlier how to to deal themselves. Yes. It doesn't mean that we're not helping them when they want, yeah. uh, when they need. The phone is always on. We try to, to keep, of course, a relationship, but not as strong. I cannot attend all the WEC races. races. Yeah. Yeah. And if I have today to, to, to put a priority, it's Formula One. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But we try to 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 help all our drivers uh, as much as possible, and uh, and also every driver has different. Each driver has different needs. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And on your guys' website, I know we saw on the All Road Management website there was a quote that said, "Everybody has talent. Some have more than others, but talent is not enough." And you know, strong quote. Strong <laughs> quote. I love that quote. But. One of the things I love about what you brought up is that again, raw talent is not enough. There yeah, that's is, what I said. That's what I said uh, before. Yeah. Other qualities. So, is that what sets your drivers apart? In your opinion, are those other qualities beyond just raw talent? I mean, each driver is different. I mean, mm-hmm. you cannot compare. It's not because we manage uh, uh, eight diverse, to ten drivers yeah. that they are all the same. Of course, we we try to uh, to find the the, the best package. Mm-hmm. As I said before, uh, natural speed, talent, willingness to 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 learn, uh, motivation, not giving up, yeah. uh, having being strong, uh, uh, having a very strong mental. Mm. That's why before we we send a young driver, we we send him to some um, 
some competition in terms of fitness competition, mm-hmm. mental preparation to see how strong they are in their head. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like in tennis, it's like in football. Mm-hmm. When you play, uh, I don't know, a, a US Open tennis final, yeah. at the end of the day, both players are very, very almost equal. Yeah. Right. But the big difference are going to be in tricky uh, points. Uh, moment, dealing yeah. with pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Dealing with pre- and for me, yeah. uh, today, uh, all the 20 drivers in Formula 1, they are all very talented. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, between the, the quickest and the slowest, maybe you have three tenths of a second yep. per lap. Yep. But the main difference, in my opinion, is at critical moments, mm. uh, how do you cope with pressure? Yeah. And uh, sometimes you have great drivers, they're on pole, and the yeah. guy is going to stall or he's going to lose five positions. Why? Mm. Because maybe he's not, yeah. he misses something. So yeah. that's what we try to find. But uh, all the drivers we have are not in Formula One as well, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. also what is good also is we are not only, there is not only in Formula One in in, in race, yeah. in, in the racing world. And hopefully, because yeah. otherwise there would be only 20, yeah. Yeah. 20 <laughs> athletes in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so you have other great series mm-hmm. and I respect all our drivers, uh, as I said before, Formula E, mm-hmm. WEC, uh, you have uh, IndyCar. I mean, yeah. you have you yeah. have great championship, and and I think what is important and what I tell my drivers as well is that our goal is F1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if but I think their main goal is to live out of their passion, mm. and uh, and you can make a living out of your passion without being in F1. Yeah. Although right. it's very difficult. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of that, you know, when Charles was 14 years old, he was ready to quit the sport, and you know, you stepped in and signed him, and you said. You know, he's going to be a, a legendary driver. What was it that you saw in him that many people didn't see at that age? Well, thanks for this introduction. Yeah. I would not say that when I saw him, yeah. it would be a lie to say I saw him and I knew he's going to yeah, be the, that's yeah, the yeah. one. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's not true. First of all, all that uh, started from uh, a person, my personal relationship with Jules. Jules mm. yeah. Because just for your information, uh, Jules' best friend, uh, was um, Charles' elder brother, mm-hmm. Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were very close. And of course, and very early, Jules became a little bit the the, the godfather, yeah, godfather of, of yes. the, the racing godfather yes. of Charles. Yeah. Mentor. And uh, while I was uh, helping uh, Jules, I think he was in uh, World Series or GP2 at that time, yeah. he told me, you know, I have the 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 younger brother the young brother of Lor- my my best friend Lorenzo with yeah. a racing go kart mm-hmm. is very good they don't really have the budget to to go higher than what he's doing in uh, in karting yeah. and uh, I think that you should meet him and maybe help him because I think he is worth is uh, worth watching yeah and so my first reaction was to say yes I would love to meet him yeah. out of friendship for you Jules mm. I will do it because you're my friend mm. but so the first time I met him with his dad I knew he was a good karting driver but I did not know uh, that he would become a yep. uh, vice uh, world champion yep. uh, 22 yep. and that yep. he that he had the, everything it takes to to become a Formula champion mm. so in a way I think we we have both been we have both been lucky because uh, I think he was in a way lucky to to find someone like like me who gave him the chance and who mm-hmm. uh, because you know I mean all those drivers they are very sometimes they people who don't have budget they are afraid that the, that the the next race will be their last race yeah. yep. if they don't find budget so they need at some point someone like like a manager like a sponsor like me when you don't have family uh, backings it's uh, it's very tough mm. and. Um, and so I had a great uh, meeting with him and his dad, and uh, and I said to myself, uh, I mean, 
I was feeling a bit bad for him that somebody uh, so nice and uh, who had already achieved many good results in karting, I said, it's a shame to, to stop there. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, karting is still affordable. I'm going to to fund your next season in karting. Mm. And then uh, I cannot promise that I will help you beyond, beyond that. Yeah. But if you do very well, you have my word that I will help you as much as possible. And from that time, he has he has never been disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a nice story. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is there in any... a way it's yeah. a, for me, it's like if Jules' legacy was yes, carried on. Exactly. Carried on. Yeah. So for me, it's also important yeah and now is there anyone in the junior category or karting that you see has the x factor or someone that has that same story that you think will do well now well i mean we have many good drivers yeah. uh one of the drivers uh, who i think uh, can go very far is gabriel emini yeah uh, one formula Italian formula four with prema he was a uh, vice uh, champion in uh, in freca last year he will yeah. be racing uh, in uh, in formula three this year with a uh, with high tech, I believe a lot in him. Mm. A bit same background than uh, than uh, than Charles. Yeah. Very very good in karting. Mm. No budget, so he's hungry. He knows how important it yeah. is to 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 perform. And I I like this kind of profile because they're not spoiled at all. Yeah. So they they know that they need to do better than their teammates mm. if they want to make it. So yeah. I think it, for me, in a way, not having strong backings. Is a, is a plus because uh, it's difficult for them on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. but at least you know that they will give their, they will give their they best give to, to, to make it to the top. And uh, so I believe a lot in, in Gabriele. Mm. Last year, we signed a very good talent who was 11 years old at the time, so now he's oh. 12, called yeah. Christian Costoya from Spain. Yeah. He will be racing this year in, a, in a OKJ. Uh, with uh, the Parolin team. Mm -hmm. uh, very and, and actually, the people who, I mean, in addition to be very good uh, on track, uh, I was impressed with him by his um, his uh, his mindset mm. and his. Uh, so I mean, he went. To, we sent him to a to a psychologist, to a mental trainer, mm. yeah. and the the numbers he has achieved has have almost never been achieved at this age. At so age, for yeah. me, it's an important parameter. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Eleven. compared well, to the people of his age. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's something which is uh, which is uh, important for me, a key parameter. Yeah. And in terms of 2023, then, if you look at the year ahead, I mean, what other expectations do you have for your drivers? Is all road getting into anything else? I mean, what's exciting you about this year? Well, I mean, we have drivers in almost every series, uh, mm -hmm. Formula 4, Formula 3, mm -hmm. um, karting, F1, WEC. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, as I said before, every each of them is different. They have different uh, roadmap. Mm -hmm. But what, my import, what is important for us is that we can extract from them the the best of themselves yeah. uh, and try to not to leave any any stone uh, unturned mm -hmm. and uh, try to get the best out of them. And what we wish, I mean, you know, I mean, if a driver is, uh, none of them, is, I mean, all of them are not going to be F1 champions, yeah. but if we can help them become better, mm -hmm. what is important for us is that by working with us, there is an added value. Right. Yeah. We did something that maybe they would not have been able to do without us. Mm. Maybe 5% more, it's already something. So that's our expectations. Yeah. Final question of Q1. I think you've been doing great, by, yeah. the, by the way, so far. You know, I think in 2019, you mentioned that Charles is your greatest pride. You went on record to say that. I think I know the answer to this. I think you've already <laughs> talked about it before. Do you think Charles is a future world champion? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that he could have been world. I mean, he could have been world champion last year, oh, yeah. but you know, with some ifs, yep. you can, uh, you can change the, <laughs> the, 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 the course of the of the story. But yeah. uh, I think he has everything it takes. He has, uh, and uh, what I like with Charles, and what that's very important for a driver. You have some drivers that are third, mm. they are extremely happy to be third. Yeah. It's like a tennis player, he reached the semi-final, he's very happy. Yeah. But you have some people, when they don't win, they are sad, they are upset. Yeah. And hungry and for more. Exactly. And Charlie is part of those uh, special athletes. And I think that the mindset, the, the attitude he has is the right one. And I hope that um, we'll see if 2023 is a, is a good year. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, that was Q1. Yeah. Henny, your verdict? I thought that, that, that was a purple sector, purple I think. Sector. Yeah. So I can go in Q2? Yeah. yeah. Q2. Right. Q2. Thank Q2. you. All right. That's a wrap for Q1. Oh. All right. Welcome back, Nicholas. You've made it to Q2. Well done. I'm very proud. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to now go a little bit deeper into you as a professional. And we're going to take you back before F1, before your entire career as a manager. I believe you went to Toulouse Business School. Yeah. So in that kind of educational path that you took, what did you take away from that? How was that experience? Give us a bit of the origin story even before all of this. Well, I mean, I'm born in 1977, born and raised in Paris. Mm -hmm. And um, after my first degree, I moved to, to Toulouse to, to do a three-year business school. Mm -hmm. And uh, among those three years, I did uh, two internships of six months. One in the, in the luxury industry in, at Louis Vuitton in Paris. Mm -hmm. And the second one actually in the in a sports management company called IMG, yeah, um, IMG. Um, close to London. Yep. So it was, a, and actually I was working mainly for the Olympic uh, Games uh, say, uh, department at that time. Yeah. And it was quite uh, helpful and exciting to to see that, although I was only a, an intern. Mm -hmm. So I did three, so two years in Toulouse, one year at um, doing my internships. And um, honestly, I did this business school because, first of all, I, I think I was too young to start working. Mm -hmm. And also because I didn't really know what, what you were I wanted to do, yeah. despite having some passions. Yeah. And uh, of course, I mean, after three years of this school, you you get uh, your mind a bit more clear about mm -hmm. maybe not maybe not absolutely about what you want to do, but maybe about what you don't want, don't to, want do. to do. Exactly. So yeah. it was a good move for me to, it was a nice time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, you know, moving forward now, do you think you have a, is it a pressure to have a good relationship with your drivers or is it just purely transactional in a way where, you know, you're just focused on getting them the best deals, the best positions that they want to be in? I mean, I, my, I, I have a relationship with each of my drivers, but yeah. they are all different. So some are very friendly. Yeah. I mean, they are all prof very professional. They're all professional mm. plus friendly sometimes or yeah. pure professional. Yeah. But of course, when you when you spend a lot of time with driver, you need to you need to have the pleasure to have dinner with him at uh, at the track after dinner. Uh, I mean, after a long day, or you need to even to spend a weekend or vacation somewhere because you spend a lot of time with them. So, I would say that the good thing is that I'm not very young, but I'm not old as well. So, mm -hmm. the age difference with my drivers, of course, some of them I could be their, their dad. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not 70 years old. I'm 45. Yeah. So I think that the age difference. I think I, I'm a bit, uh, I have a young mind, if, yeah. I, if I may say. So yeah. I think that we we, the, we we click quite well. Yeah. Right. And I know, you know, previously in Q1, we talked a little bit about Jules, you know, and the tragic accident that occurred there. You know, did an experience like that take, you know, a toll on you as a manager? Like, how did that experience take a toll on you? Sure, because, I mean, uh, 
when I at that time, I mean, Jules was my first of all, he was really a, a good friend, you know. I mean, uh, uh, he was calling me uh, bro, mm-hmm. I mean, brother, yeah. and uh, I really felt, I mean, I would not, I, ha- I have no kids, so I would not say that I, I felt he was my kid, but I felt like he, like if he was my, my very young brother, you know, so I really cared for him and I, I really loved him as a person. He was a, a great guy and uh, I wasn't in Japan when the accident occurred. And uh, although I don't know why, but straight away, I, I quickly understood that it was very serious. And of course you cannot, uh, you cannot rema- stay unmoved by something like that. So okay. for, and you know, I mean, for, Formula One, everybody knows that it's, uh, you know, on the on the F1 pass, it's written in uh, capital letters, yeah. motor racing is dangerous. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you you don't pay attention to that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the last person who had an accident, uh, a, de- uh, de- um, a dead accident was, uh, was Ayrton Senna in uh, May 1st, 1994. So you thought, yeah. and so many progress have been, been have been made in terms of uh, safety okay. that you, that, uh, Shouldn't dying, happen. having a dying in Formula One is something that you could not imagine. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was very tough, uh, very tough to digest. I mean, you cannot digest that, but yeah. it was very hard to to live that and uh, still now. And uh, honestly, at some point I said, what is the point do you want to, to work with people mm. and one day uh, lose them, you know? Yeah. But then, I mean, uh, you have the passion and you also have other people to look after. You know, at the time I was managing Felipe Massa and I have a great relationship with Felipe. So I didn't feel like stopping, but needless to say that I've, it made me think a lot about, not only about racing, but about life in general. Do you, I mean, I think it's a, it's a key bad moment in my life. Yeah. And if not the worst. Yeah. And you know, your, your father, who is the former FIA president, uh, Jean Todd, uh, he was a prevalent figure in um, in F1. So, how was it like growing up with a father that was so prominent in the sport? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, um, I have a huge respect and admiration for my dad because mm-hmm. for what he has achieved. I I don't know many team bosses who have achieved what he has of achieved uh, in fifty years in motorsport. Not yeah. you are talking about FIA, but also uh, Peugeot, Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, Ferrari, and so many wins. And so, I mean, I have huge respect. But uh, what my dad uh, gave me without really wanting it mm. was his passion for the sport. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I, the privilege I had thanks to him was to be able to attend some races when I was uh, six years old, going to some rally in Finland or, or go and to watch Paris Dakar mm. and especially to be able to, to have a, a, a personal relationship with some drivers, yeah. you know. Uh, mm. I was so lucky to, I don't know, to have a dinner with Ari Vatanen. Wow. Uh, I was, uh, when I was 16, I was going to the F1 paddock and I was uh, hanging uh, with, uh, with Gerhard Berger, Jean Lézide, wow. and I was lucky to become close friends. But it was personal, not professional. Because yeah. right. at the time, I never thought I would be. For everybody, it's, yeah. it's uh, very natural that I'm doing that because of what my father has been doing. But actually, I never thought mm-hmm. I would do, be a driver manager. Yeah. Right. I wanted to work in the motor racing industry, yeah. but because out of passion for that, but not really with a specific role. Yeah. Right. And actually that's what, that's by meeting Felipe Massa one day, who offered me the job in a way to help him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I said in life, you know, you have to seize the opportunities. Yeah. Right. And I said, uh, maybe this is my 
Mm-hmm. It can be this something moment, great. Yeah. It's my calling. Yeah. And and you mentioned, you know, you knew that potentially you wanted to do something in motor sport racing. What about being a driver? Was that ever a thought that came through your head? You were like, hey, maybe I'll put my name in and try to be a driver. Actually, no. I love cars. Yeah. I, I think I drive quite well, but yeah. <laughs> very far from a, a, good, a good driver. Yeah. But uh, I love cars. And uh, actually, I think that if you want to, every drive, driver will... I mean, who starts driving when he's five, eight, or ten, needs the backing from the parents. Yeah, because it's the first time. I don't think that when you are five years old, you say, "Okay, yeah. please, uh, <laughs> I want to drive a go kart." You have the father who says, "I'm going. Let's do let's that. Let's do that together." Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why, actually, when you see, it's it's amazing that Formula motor racing is the only is a, by far the number one sport in the world where you have so many father and mm-hmm. sons yeah. relationships. Uh, you don't have that in uh, oh. in football or very yeah, at a yeah. very very low rate. Yep. And uh, actually, I my dad never my parents never pushed me for that. Mm. I think that uh, they saw a lot of people. I mean, my dad at that time uh, saw a lot of car accidents, That's and I think it. that he didn't want his son to to take risks. Yeah. Yeah. So he never pushed me for that. And then when I started to drive, when I had my driving license, I was uh, far too old <laughs> to, to do a, to do a career in uh, yeah. in yeah. this in this in that. Man, don't say that. I, no, I want to be an F1 driver one day. <laughs> maybe five. He's, start yeah. esports. I know. I know. Hey, maybe he can sign you. Hey, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. that's true. Um, what we'll is, talk after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is one piece of advice that you would give for any of the incoming rookies into F1? I think it's a pretty exciting season with you know Nick DeVries, with Oscar Piastri, Logan Sargent. You know, is there a piece of advice that you would give them? I mean, it would be a bit presumptuous to give them advice, but uh, of course, you know, there is a huge gap between being a F2 slash F3 driver and F1. Mm-hmm. The the media attention that uh, overnight you get is huge. Mm-hmm. So you have to to be grounded, to have feet mm-hmm. on the ground, to to be well surrounded. Mm. And uh, and also you you have to be very, very committed and, yeah. and also to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, I mean, it's uh, you know, as I said before, you have 20 drivers in the world. Being a F1 driver is something yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that, and sometimes it's not easy when you are that young to appreciate yeah. uh, the moment. The moment. The moment. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would tell them is appreciate the moment, work yeah. as hard as you can, because uh, this sport is so demanding. Mm-hmm. You know, you see with Daniel Ricciardo who lost his seat. Yeah. One day you are a hero, the following day you are a zero. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, but it's important to be aware of that yeah. and to, to listen to, I mean, to, to take that into account. And uh, of course, you have uh, in the past when you're in F2, maybe you have to you have two engineers. One, one you're always yeah. engineer, you're data engineer. Mm. In Formula One, you work with uh, two hundred one hundred <laughs> people. Yeah. So it's a big, big uh, change. Yeah. So it's important to to be prepared and uh, and strong for yeah. for this big jump. Yeah. It, and uh, to follow up with that, is there is there a position where, as a manager, you step in and give that kind of advice to these? people that yeah, are sure. transitioned to f2 sure i mean i try to i try to what i just told you i yeah. that's what i try to tell my the, the drivers who i manage who, yeah. who step in f in f1 mm. you know yeah mm. and uh because i mean we're talking about charles but yeah. uh, i've been managing uh, daniel kiviat in mm-hmm. the past sebastian bourdet mm-hmm. uh, pastor maldonado yep. so a bunch of drivers so mm-hmm. of course uh, i try to to tell them uh, what what i think they they could do or i try to give them a few advice yeah and what surprises you the most about this sport i know we're constantly seeing new regulations new changes crazy things happening on the track what is that one thing that surprises you the most about this sport i mean the 
the passion yeah. and the fact that uh, I mean we have a lot of people in the paddock uh, whether it's F1 or endurance or mm. or younger series they they work in this industry for 30 years mm. so there is really a something special about motor racing is yeah. when you are if you have passion for something it's not a work it's a yeah. it's a pleasure yeah. right. for sure you don't have only advantages you know you have a lot of uh, traveling is a uh, is a uh, is tough you know and uh, every year we have more and more races so it's not uh, you don't only have advantages of of this world but i think that being part of this uh, in this industry when you are passionate it's uh, it's something fantastic yeah. and you mentioned that you know a lot of the travel that you guys have to do. Um, I think one of our guests previously said it's like it's like a it's like a parade. It's like a circus that happens around the entire world, right? Yeah, and everybody kind of is a tight knit group because you're traveling together. How do you kind of manage your work in life? Do you feel like you have that balance when you're traveling so much? Honestly, uh, I always, I'm never keen to to travel, mm. but once I'm there, yeah. I enjoy. You're right. in the moment, yeah. And uh, we have to, you know, I mean, maybe. Half, a year, I mean, every other weekend I'm busy somewhere, yeah. and the weekend is usually four to five days. Mm. So it's uh, you need you need to have passion. Yeah. But sometimes uh, I appreciate more and more being at home and uh, yeah. Yeah. chilling, relaxing, being with some friends and uh, yeah. and uh, disconnecting. Nice. And one of my final questions is kind of around your discipline and drive. I think one of the things Henny and I are taking away is you know you have passion for the sport clearly and i think what's also great is that you're not only looking at okay f1 but you're looking at even some of the junior categories and trying to think ahead right thinking ahead of who might be a great prospect that i can potentially get in on the ground floor to help them like you said when nobody else might mm. you know when it comes to your discipline and drive to go and attend those karting races and to go and take those meetings with 10 11 12 year olds where do you get that drive well i mean as i said before uh if i do something I try to do it well. Yeah. So I'm a very disciplined person. Uh, I mean, I can be lazy sometimes, but <laughs> I don't like to start something that I don't finish. Yeah. And uh, so if I start to do, and, and very often people ask me to to work with them, but if I feel that I'm either not motivated or I will not be able to involve myself 100%, I prefer to turn down the offer. So I think it's my, uh, it's my personality. And experience. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, over oh, wait, over twenty years now. Yeah, yeah, right. So hence my gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, last question would probably be around. You know, what's your escape? I know you just mentioned you like to you know chill with friends or with family. What is that escape for you outside of? Sports? I mean, my escape is sometimes to to switch off completely to yeah. not to do anything. Yeah. Uh, to to see my friends to to travel. Uh, to some uh, places to visit uh, countries to I love art yeah, nice. uh, I love also watching other sports we yeah. were mentioning tennis before yeah. I love tennis uh, so just to to do things which are have nothing to do with uh, with my work slash passion nice I think that's a great way to wrap up Q2 Henny the verdict here another purple let's give it no come right. on oh. because that last that last round Q3 is quite tough yeah <laughs> I think two purple that, seconds, you know, you know? <laughs> it's good. Potential pull. You have yeah. a trophy for Q? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, end of okay. award, the trophy. Yeah. Okay. The, the Canadian trophy, though, yeah. but we'll, we'll tell it to you after. <laughs> okay. Getting wrapping I love up. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wrapping up Q2, stay tuned. We're about to get into the rapid fire round in Q3 with Nicholas Todd. All right, welcome back to the Track Limits podcast. We're here with Nicholas Todd. Two purple sectors so far. We're getting into Q3, though. Yeah. 
And I don't know, I think there's a potential chance for pole here. Nicholas, what do you think? I mean, I like pole position, yeah. so <laughs> if I can do it, it's always better to start on pole. Yes. So rapid fire round, Henny and I are going to come and give you a couple of questions, and we'd love for your answers to be rapid, full of fire. So okay. first question, if you had to choose one racing format to manage, which one would it be? In Formula One? In Formula One. I would say um, two day, a two-day weekend yeah. with uh, practice, yeah. qualifying, and race. Nice. So, Nicholas, I'm about to show you a photo. Um, and for the audio listeners, this is you with uh, Charles walking. What was going through your mind or what was happening in this moment exactly? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's not looking at me very nicely. Yeah. What was <laughs> this conversation? It seems like I did a mistake. Maybe I I forgot the keys at... Uh, Maybe I, I I lost his the keys of his car. In the <laughs> Maybe he lost two minutes before entering the paddock. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't think it, no. He's not, we usually don't drive <laughs> you. <laughs> this is funny. Great. What regulation change would you institute into Formula One? You know, double points in the last race, for example. What, what would you institute? Um, yeah. I would. I think that we should have points for pole position. Yeah. Yes. And I would remove points for fastest lap because for me has no meaning yeah yeah and people change their strategy just to, just get, to it. get it yeah yeah um so next question uh who would you want as a teammate on the current grid right now if you were i need to be i need to be al alongside the best drivers i need to, to prove my, oh. my my worth and yeah. you'd be quicker than him i don't know oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you look for in a teammate though you mentioned charles like what do you look for if you were, if you were looking for a teammate in the sport Someone very quick yeah because at least it's a it's a benchmark yeah. and you, you can you can know how good or you are, mm -hmm. or how slow, or how much you need to improve, yeah. and uh, someone with whom you can have a good relationship, can spend good time, and you can uh, uh, loyal someone loyal mm -hmm. yeah. on track without playing politics in the background. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, a good guy. Yeah. All right. Next question. Favorite place to travel? Mm, I love Australia. Oh, okay. I love going to Melbourne. Yeah. Because I love the city. I love the, the atmosphere. Yeah. We have a real racing fans. And most of, usually it's the first race of the season. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. always been the case lately. Yeah. But so there it's a is a, very, it smells like a new season. Yeah, and I like yeah. this. Uh, and it's always hot. I would yeah. take that any yeah. day. Definitely not Canada. <laughs> yeah, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Best leadership advice that you would have to give to even people outside of the sport, just people who want to be leaders. What kind of advice do you have for them? Mm, I like the, I don't know if it's a, it's a quote from someone, but I read it somewhere. Only mediocre people can reach their best. Mm. And I think it's quite motivating to know that it means that you can always do better. Yeah, yeah. there's always room to grow. Um, next question. Would you ever want to be the FIA president in the future? Not at all. First no. of all, I don't know if I would be, I, I don't think I would be able to do that, yeah. right. but I hate politics. Right. What's the most over-asked question that you get, other than this one? But <laughs> Can I get an uh, autograph from Charles? Oh, oh God. <laughs> Can I get a cap? Can we? <laughs> my daughter is in love with Charles. Can you help? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, how do I even go to the next question with that answer? Oh, my God. Best and worst thing about being uh, a manager for, for drivers? I mean, the best thing is to... I mean... To be happy to to be on the mainly to be on the podium and to to applaud your your driver that's, yeah. that's a great feeling yeah mm -hmm. the worst one is uh when you have to to deal with problems yeah. maybe with a you know just a team of your drivers or when you to to deal with with yeah. bad problems and yeah. hopefully the yeah. as less uh, problem as possible yes uh, okay
Um, if you wanted to own a piece of F1 memorabilia, so a hat, a poster, model of a car, you know, any time in history, what memorabilia would you choose? Well, I'm lucky to to own a lot of memorabilia from my drivers, like yeah. helmets, or racing suit, or visors. Yeah. But something I don't have, which is obviously very hard to get, is a is a real car, F1 mm. car. Yeah, yeah. But it's a bit beyond the reach today. Yeah. Would you I, put it like on, I was the, say. Yeah, like on the ceiling <laughs> above the dining table? Or or? Yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. without the engine, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, God. Imagine yeah. just drops on your head. Okay, next question. Um, what's one team you would bring back uh, into F1, whether it's BMW, Lotus? and the others? Benetton. Mm, that's yeah. a good question. I mean, I started following F1 when I was 15, so in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, I'm French and proud to be French. So yeah. I I have good memories of Ligier team, mm -hmm. which was not doing so well in the 90s. Uh -huh. But yeah. for me, it's really the, the French team in its... That's really something... Uh, it's an iconic French team. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Ligier, and also they won... Uh, the Monte Carlo Grand Prix yeah. with Olivier Panis, yeah. I think in 1996 or five, I don't remember. Wow, wow. Six, six, right? Yeah, I believe yeah. it was six. 96. Yeah. 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 If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, I told you that we do travel too much. Yeah. So I would say teleportation. <laughs> yeah, I would do that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what celebrity do you think will be a great fit into F1 mm. as a driver, at least? Any celebrity. Any. I mean, I don't know any celebrity who made it to F1, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit... Um, I mean, I like a lot Novak Djokovic. Yes. yes. First of all, I like him because very many people don't like him. Yeah. Yes. And I think that I feel for them. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's a great player. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I think that he has a, a big work ethic. Yeah. And that's what you need to... In Formula 1, you need to have a work ethic. So yeah. and a it winning, could be... And a winning mindset. Yeah. So, exactly. Really? So he might not even know how to drive, but I think that he has uh, some uh, components, some uh, some features that uh, are important to a great F1 driver. Perfect. And last question. If you're writing an autobiography on your life, which one of these titles best resonates with you? The Daredevil, the Dreamcatcher, the Free Spirit, or the Hardest Worker? I mean, if I had to choose one among the list, I would say the Hardest Worker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although... There are many people who work more than me, but if I had to find another yep. adjective, yeah. Yeah. I would say many people, call, many of my friends call me pragmator. Pragmatic. It's not a real yeah. word yeah. because I'm very pragmatic. pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a dreamer. Right. I'm not very idealistic, but yeah. I'm very realistic. Wow. So I think it could That's... define me. That was a beautiful. Should we add that? Yeah. Like the yeah, future interviews? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't quote <laughs> me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's only him. <laughs> Trademark. Perfect. Well, that wraps up the rapid fire round. At the end of every interview, Nicholas, we ask a simple question to our guests. Uh, I say simple, maybe not. In it's one deep. yeah, in one minute, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? I mean, I had I don't have this uh this ego to to hope to to have a legacy, yeah. but uh I think I would like to be remembered as someone who has been, in a way, who contributed in helping young drivers achieve their, their dreams and maybe in uh, making uh, so making uh, the dream, uh, the impossible dream possible. Yeah, reality. So that's what I would like to be remembered of, how I would be like to be remembered. And also as a person uh, loyal, uh, correct and honest, uh, who has a, who has a, how do you say that? Um, straight focus. Straight or... focus. Straight focus. I mean, someone, uh, yeah. someone clean. Yeah. yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Nicholas. It was I think a pleasure. Three purple, three purple sectors. sectors, right? Yeah. I think I got to give it to him. Fastest lap. Yeah. There. So no, no I, I want so. my prize money now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on social media if they wanted to follow along with your journey? I'm not. I mean, I have my Instagram account yeah. and yeah. Uh, Twitter. It's uh, Nicholas Todd. Yeah. Nice. But I don't post a lot, so. No way. We'll get you. We'll get you to start. Posting. I will learn from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you guys like this episode, guys, please go and check out our other episodes on Track Limits Pod. Feel free to leave a review here and give us a follow on social media. We will see you all in the next episode.